Thank you. Thank you, Tyler and Lynn. We'll take your Bible, if you will, this morning and turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And, of course, um, today is uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And last Sunday I shared with you uh, some words about being thankful. And this morning I want to continue that train of thought. I know we've been in a study in the book of Acts, but uh, probably... Uh, through today and then with December we'll probably begin uh, with a series of Christmas messages so we're going to pause our study in the book of Acts and uh, and maybe pick that back up in January but take your Bible turn to Luke chapter 17 and we're going to begin in verse number 11 and of course uh, this is a passage of scripture that should be familiar to most of you it's a story that uh, happened in the Bible uh, about ten lepers. And any time we talk about being thankful, it is a story that we should be reminded of. These ten lepers uh, who were outcast and were healed by Jesus. And you'll remember that only one of the lepers came back and gave glory to God and gave thanks to God for what had been done in his life. And I want to just admonish all of us to remember to be thankful and take this this story from the life of Jesus as an admonition to do just that. We'll look in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to begin in verse number 11, and I'll go ahead and read the story, and then we'll come back and, and pick it up piece by piece. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, saying, giving him thanks, saying, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now there's something about being together that brings comfort. And that's why there were ten lepers. And many of you that have studied the Bible, you know a little bit about uh, the ancient disease of leprosy that is known of in the Bible. And if a person was found to be a leper, they were uh, put out of society and they could not intermingle, they could not get close to anyone in society. And so uh, lepers would be put outside of the city and these lepers, all in a state of despair, and despondency would seek comfort in one another. So they would be leper colonies. People would get together. So you've got these ten lepers. And these ten lepers, they're united. They're together, if you will, in their sickness. Notice verse 12. It says, there were ten men who were lepers. You've been heard that birds of a feather flock together. And that's true. People who are, have a, a common problem, there's all kind of organizations and groups that have suffered through something. 
We think about Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I think about a group that we became familiar with after the loss of Cody. That was Twinless Twins. I'd never heard of that before, but people who had lost a twin and found comfort with other twins who had lost a twin. And and there's all kind of organizations that come together because people have suffered something and they're seeking comfort with people who can understand what they've suffered or understand the temptation that they're going through. And so it was that these ten lepers were all together. No doubt they knew about one another. They had talked. That They knew who one another's backgrounds were. Perhaps they knew about one another's families. But they were together in their sickness. Their sickness had brought them together. But notice something else. It said, verse 12, that there were ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They were united in their sickness, but they were also united in their separation. Not only were all of them sick, but all of them were separated from society. So they were united because they were sick. They were united because they had been separated from society. And then notice something else. There the Bible says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. You've got unity here. Unity in their sickness. Unity in their separation from society. And they're also united in their supplication to Jesus. They all have the same request. Remember, they can't get close to Jesus. They're standing afar off. By law, they couldn't get close to anyone who did not have leprosy. And so they had to shout. They had to speak loudly. And they cried out loudly, Jesus, have mercy upon us. All of them had the same request. Because they all had the same problem. They all wanted to be well. Sick people want to be well. Hungry people want to be fed. Lonely people want to be loved. Guilty people want to be forgiven. I mean, if you've got a problem, you know what it is that you want. And they had a problem. They had leprosy, which separated them from their families, from all of society. And all of them wanted to be cleansed. And all of them were united in that sickness, in that separation, and in their supplication to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy upon us. Well, Jesus answers. There in verse number 14, the Bible says, And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. Well, he's, they're united again in the salutation or the instruction, the response that Jesus gives back to them. He doesn't give any of them different instructions. He gives all ten of them the same salutation, the same instruction. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, we don't have time to go back, but if you go back to the Old Testament law, actually in Leviticus chapter 14, you'll find out why Jesus told them that because it was the priest in ancient Israel who first of all would diagnose that you had leprosy. There was a certain, certain procedure he went through and if it was found that you had leprosy, then you were cast out of society. And then if you were clean or you thought you were clean of your leprosy, the first thing you had to do was go back to the priest. He would examine you and go through a certain procedure it lays out in Leviticus. And if you passed those tests, then you were readmitted back into society. So Jesus told them, now they're still all leprous. They still all have their sores. But he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now think about it just a moment. 
They had no reason to go show themselves to the priest. They hadn't been healed yet. They still had sores. I mean, a rational person would say, well, we want to be healed. There's no need in going and showing ourselves to the priest looking like this. He's just going to cast us out. We still have leprosy. We want to be healed. I can think maybe some of us modern argumentative folks, you know, we, we know a lot more than they did back then, right? We're a lot smarter than they are, and, we, you know, we're a lot more civilized. And, and we'd say, now, wait a minute, Jesus, let's get this right. You need to heal me first. Heal me first, and then I'll go see the priest. That's how it goes. But Jesus simply said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, we got to hand it to all ten of these lepers because you know what they all did? All ten of them, they were, they were still united in their step of faith. See, they've been united the whole time. United in their sickness, united in their separation, united in their supplication to Jesus, united in the salutation He gave back to them. Now they're all ten united in their step of faith. Because what do they do? Notice in verse 14, And as so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. All ten of them start heading that way with sores all over, all over them. They took a step of faith. All ten of them. Now, I know we like to jump on the nine that didn't go back and be thankful, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But let's give credit where credit is due. All ten of them deserve applause, they deserve credit for taking a step of faith. With leprosy all over their body, they started moving toward the priest with an act of faith. And the Bible says, as they went, as they took their step of faith, they were cleansed. As they began to head toward the priest, their healing occurred. Now you can imagine. Here they are, they're all united in that step of faith. And does it say that just a few of them were healed? No, all ten. So they've stayed united the whole time. All the way from their sickness now to their healing, all ten of them act exactly the same. They receive the same from the Lord. They all are cleansed as they're on their way to be healed. Now think about the joy that must have hit the heart of a person who was covered with leprosy. Because keep in mind, it's not just about being sick. But it's about being separated from those you love. You can't hug your wife. You can't hug your husband. You can't hug your children. You can't get close to your family. You are separated from society. You are not allowed close to anybody. And so here they are. All of a sudden they look as they're going to the priest to, 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 be, to, be, uh, to be declared clean. Although they weren't clean when they started out on the journey. They look at their self and they suddenly realize, I'm cleansed. My, my leprosy has vanished. And no doubt they knew at that moment that the priest was going to have to approve their healing. And he was going to let them back into society. And maybe they hadn't hugged their husband, their wife in years. Maybe they hadn't seen their children. And, and all of a sudden they thought about that reunion that was coming. They're going to be back with their family. And, and they stepped it up a notch. They got a little faster. I, boy, I've got to hurry. I want to get back to my family. I want to get back to my home. I want to join back to my people that I love. But somebody decided something was worth waiting for. And that's where there was a separation. And you see, there's one thing in this story that I think we need to understand and we need to remember even beyond the idea that we should be thankful. And that is that there's always a separation when it comes to spiritual matters. 
Everybody's not on the same road. If there's one thing the Bible teaches us, and it teaches us many things, but it teaches us that life is all about decisions. We make decisions. You know, the, the, the old story of, 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 the, of the, you know, the crossroads. You can't take both roads. You come to a, a Y in a road. Have you ever come to a Y in a road and couldn't make your mind up? You know what's going to happen? You're going to have to call a wrecker if you don't make your mind up because you're, you're going to be in the ditch. You must make your mind up. You cannot take both roads. And spiritually, in life, you cannot take both roads. You have to make a decision. And these ten men, these ten lepers, we assume they were men, these ten lepers made a decision. Nine of them decided to go home as quick as they could. They got what they wanted, and now they're moving on. One of the lepers said, you know what? I've got to go back and thank this man for healing me. I've got to go back and give credit to God. And, and you go through the Bible and all the way from Genesis to Revelation again. It's all about decisions and those decisions determine destiny and separation. You, you, you go back, if you will, all the way to Moses. Remember what Moses, when he gave the law of God, the Lord said, I set before you today death and life, blessing and cursing. You've got to choose. There, there's death in disobedience. There's life in obedience. There's blessing in obedience. There's cursing in disobedience. I think about Joshua. Remember Joshua after Moses had died and he looked at the people of Israel and, and one of the great speeches that he gave, he simply said, Choose you this day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua laid forth a challenge. It was a challenge to make a decision. You're going to have to make a choice. Elijah. Remember when the prophet Elijah was trying to lead the people of Israel and, and many of them had gone after the idols and, and Baal and God was about to, to bring judgment upon the people of Israel. And when Elijah stood before the people of Israel, if you remember the story, he said, Whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. There was a decision to be made. I think about the book of Acts that we're going through have been on Sunday morning. So many times we saw the Apostle Paul go into a city and he preaches the gospel. And what happens? The Bible says some people believe and they respond. But not everybody believes. The Bible says some people did not believe. They became angry. They wanted to run Paul out of town. Some people laughed. Some people wept. Some people were touched. Some people were not touched at all. Decisions. People, we must make decisions. And then I think about Jesus Himself. You know, one of the most um, graphic stories that Jesus tells is of the final judgment. And He talks about when the final judgment comes, that, that God will be on the throne and He will be judging and all the dead, small and great, will stand before Him. And, and what does the Bible say He will do? There's that word. He will separate the sheep from the goats. And he'll take the sheep and he'll set them over on his right hand. He'll take the goats and he'll put them over on his left. And there will be an eternal separation between the sheep and the goats. So my friend, life is all about decisions. The crossroads. And which way will you go? 
Which way will you go? And this man, this leper, all ten of these lepers were faced, were faced with a decision. Am I going to simply think about me and what I want? And I want to get home as quick as I can. And I want to embrace my family as quick as I can. I've got what I wanted from this Jesus dude. And I'm through with him. You know, he's been my ATM card. I put my ATM card in. And I, I punched in F-A-I-T-H. And I've got my healing. And so now I'm, I'm moving on. Or this one man, one out of ten, who said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back. Notice how that, that transpired. Look in verse 15. By the way, uh, we don't really have time to, to do this this morning, but it's interesting to me if you go from verse number 11 to verse 14, everything is plural. Everything's they. 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 Because everything they did, they did together. Everything they did was all ten of those lepers doing together. But then in verse number 15, it changes, and no longer is it plural, but it's singular. From verse 15 down to the end, it's simply one. And he, and one of them, and he did this, and he did that. Notice there in verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Now, we're talking about being thankful, and being thankful is a decision. You're not born thankful or not born thankful. I'm trying to remember how this goes. You can either choose to be Humbly grateful. Or what's the other one? Humbly grateful. Or grumbly hateful. Thank you, Ann. Humbly grateful or hatefully. Help me out, Ann. Grumbly hateful. I had it in my mind, and my mind is, is like mush sometimes, I guess. it. There's a lot of stuff in there that's just hard to find. you got to dig through. But it's a decision we make. You're not born one way or the other. You have to make a decision. And this man made the decision. And the first step in making a decision was his recognition of what had happened. When he saw that he was healed. Now I know some of you this morning are thinking, Well, I don't know what I have to be thankful for, to be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm kind of... I'm kind of angry at God, to be honest, Brother William. I just don't like the way things are going. And, you know, we're having Miss Delores' funeral later today, and, and uh, I know we're all praying for her family, but I, I shared this just a little bit ago, and the Lord doesn't change my mind. I plan on sharing some of it at her funeral. But, but I, 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 there's three things you can always be thankful for. You know, the other Sunday night, Ashton was leading us, and we were talking about what we were thankful for, and it seemed like God just laid that on my heart, that... You can always be thankful for faith, the faith that God gives us, that we can go through life with faith. You can always be thankful for hope, that this life is not all there is, that there's hope beyond this life. And you can always be thankful for love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, And now abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You know, love is, is that greatest pinnacle of of the gifts that God has given us. There's no greater gift that God has given us than the gift of love. Not just love for one another. That's wonderful. But the love of God. The, the fact that God loves us. That, that God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. So a recognition that there's something to be thankful for. And I guarantee you, if, if you look at yourself, you look at your life, there's something to be thankful for. 
I, you know, I love Adrian Rogers, and I've told this story before, but he, he tells a story in one of his sermons about a young couple that came to visit him once when he was pastoring, and he said that they were a beautiful young couple. You probably heard me tell the story before. They just had a beautiful little baby, and, and they were just getting started out, you know, having a lot of problems and financial and some, some relationship problems, and, and, and they stopped by to see him, and they said, you know, Brother Rogers, we're, we're, just, we're just depressed, and we're just so, I mean, we just don't have anything. We don't have anything. We look at our, our, our friends, and they have good jobs, and, you know, they've got good careers, and, and, and we look at ourselves, and, and we just don't have anything. He said, I looked at that couple, beautiful, healthy, young couple, handsome young man, beautiful young lady, a beautiful, healthy baby boy, you know, that, they had in their, that she had in her arms. And I said, you don't have anything. They said, no, sir, we, we, we don't have anything. And he said, what if I told you, he said that I'm a 90-year-old man, and I come to you and said, hey, I'm going to trade bodies with you. Let me have your 23-year-old body and you take my 90-year-old body. Would you do that if I give you a million dollars? He said, no, I wouldn't do that for anything. He said, okay, so, so what about that baby? What if I told you I give you a million dollars for that baby? Would you give it over? You, 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 you can't have our baby. He said, well, do you love each other? He said, oh, yeah. I mean, we argue sometimes. We, we have problems. But, but oh, we, we, absolutely, we love each other. He said, so you don't have anything. But you got a million-dollar body, you got a million-dollar baby, and you're living with somebody you love. But you don't have nothing, do you? And, and you know, it gave them a different perspective about what they have. Sometimes, I mean, we, we live in such a country, uh, so blessed, or so many material things. I mean, we've got electronics. You look at people on the Internet, and, and I, I mean, you look at people on TV, and I tell you, TV's great, but, but TV's kind of depressing. Because everybody you see... I look at all them men on TV and they all got hair, you know. And I want to talk about you ladies, you know, what, what, what you see on TV. But they, they put all the beautiful people on TV, you know, all the good-looking men and all the beautiful women. And, and, you know, sometimes you sit there and you look at that and you think, my goodness, I don't look like that. Why don't I look like that? I can't be happy if I don't look like that. Oh, my friend, we miss the true blessings of God. Like that young couple. God has so blessed us with so many things and we don't appreciate it. We don't understand it. And the first step to being thankful is like that leper when he saw. When he saw that he was healed. He had to look. He had to see. Look, I've been healed. And my friend, I simply say, no matter how dark it may seem, look with spiritual eyes and you will find much to be thankful for. Much to give God praise for. And then notice the second thing he did. He says, and when he saw that he was healed, he returned. I like what the King James says. He says, he turned back. He turned back. When he returned, and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He recognized, and then he made a decision. He says, well, wait a minute. i got to stop. This is too good. I can't go on about my business. I must go back. And again, having a thankful heart, an attitude of gratitude, if you will, a thankful spirit is a decision. It's a decision that requires an action. And this man made a decision. He saw what had been done for him, and he stopped and he went back. He turned back. He returned to Jesus. And notice his response. Three things. One, he was happy. You know, if you're truly thankful, it will put a smile on your face. It really will. If you dwell upon God's goodness, 
And not the bad things that have happened. Not the difficulties. We all have difficulties and we all have trials. But don't dwell on those. But think about the goodness of God. It will bring a smile to your face. He was happy. The Bible says he glorified God with a loud voice. He was happy and then he was humble. He fell down on his face at Jesus' feet. Again, it's hard to find a thankful person who doesn't have a tinge of happiness in their soul. And it's hard to find a thankful person who's not a humble person. And this person was humble before God. He got down on his face at the feet of Jesus. He didn't just walk up to Jesus and say, Sir, I'd like to shake your hand. You know, a handshake is between equals, right? You know, we shake someone's hand. And, and uh, I understand I, uh, that, that if you ever meet the king or queen of England, one of the royalty, I, I understand that you're not supposed to touch them. Is that correct? I don't know. You know, maybe some of you folks know. I, I, I don't know. But I understand that, that it's etiquette. You're not supposed to reach out your hand. You don't shake the queen's hand. Because, you know, in, in, in the idea of royalty, you're not really an equal of the queen. You know, you're supposed to curtsy or bow. You're not supposed to shake their hand. And, and here this man, he doesn't walk up to Jesus and, and say, Sir, I want to shake your hand. He recognizes Jesus is beyond him, is above him. And he walks up to Jesus with a humble heart and he gets on his face at his feet. And then lastly, it's holy. He has a hallowed attitude. He gives him thanks. He falls down on his feet and gives him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. You know, this is the second time in Jesus' stories we found an unlikely hero. A Samaritan as a hero. You heard me talk about the Samaritans a few weeks ago. They were not liked at all by the Jews. They were despised by the Jews. They were despised for many different reasons, but... A respectable Jew would not even walk on the same side of the road as a Samaritan. But of course, remember, all these people were lepers. So their, their sorrow had brought them together with the Samaritan. We have to assume the other nine were Jews because Jesus sent them to the Levite to be called holy or, or to be called clean. And they would not have done that if they weren't Jews. But here was this Samaritan who was among these nine Jews. And yet it is the Samaritan who turns back. Boy, there, there's so much truth there that you can't judge a person by who they are on the outside. Nobody would have assumed this Samaritan would be the one who would be, who would be full of thankfulness and would go back and, and honor God, but he was. And the last thing I want to share, the Bible says, and Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any who, who, who were found, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. He received a reward. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. You know that. I'm, I can barely speak English. But I have studied that Greek word there because it's kind of interesting. Why would Jesus say your faith has made you whole if he's already been made? He's already been healed, right? He's already been healed. All, all ten have been healed. So... Why is he saying this to this one? Well, if you look at that Greek word that's translated well or whole, most of the times in the New Testament, that Greek word is translated saved. It, it means to be made whole, to be delivered. 
And most of the time, as a matter of fact, 95% of the time, that word is not used in reference to a physical healing, but in reference to a spiritual healing. As a matter of fact, I picked out one of the more famous verses where this very same Greek word that's translated whole or well here is translated to a different word in our English Bible. Remember John 3.17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word, that Greek word that is right there that is translated saved in John 3, 17 is the exact same Greek word that Jesus uses here. And he says, arise, go your way. Your faith has, you could very well translate it, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. And, and I present to you that I believe when that man came back to Jesus, a Samaritan as he was, perhaps not knowing God, who God was, he came back to Jesus and there at the feet of Jesus coming back to give him thanks, he was made whole not simply physically, but more importantly, he was made whole spiritually. And I praise God for physical healing. I believe God heals. And if I get sick, I want you to pray for me. But more than anything else, I want to be spiritually whole. My body's going to stop working one day. We mentioned Mr. Lois, and you know, we know that she's left this earthly tent, and her spirit is going to be with the Lord. And all of us are going to go that way. Our body is not going to work at some point, and we're going to have to leave this earthly vessel here. And our spirit is going to go to meet our Maker. And I want my spirit to be in good condition. I want it to be made whole through Jesus and through the grace of God and through a decision that I make. To yield myself to God. As our musicians come and give us a hymn of invitation this morning. You're here. Remember I said that there's one, pastor, there's one principle in Scripture that is very plain. And that is the principle of decision and separation. It's up to us to make a decision. If you're here today and you've never made that conscious decision to follow Christ, to yield your life to Him. I'm going to be here. I'd love for you to come. I'll be glad to pray with you. Maybe you want to come pray. You've got a burden on your heart and you just want to come to the altar and pray. You just obey the calling of the Holy Spirit as we stand and sing.